I am going to ask you to turn to the 15th chapter of Exodus, and uh, there are going to be some of you who look at that and say, he preached on that the last time he preached, and you'll be right. But it's not the same sermon. There was more in that, there is more in this passage than what we were able to fully cover in the last time we ministered. And uh, I don't know why, because I've, I've had this message ready for several days, but there must be something there uh, for more than one person. I think there's something there for all of us, but uh, there must be something about it that's very important for the Lord to take us back to that. Okay, beginning at verse 23. Well, I'm going to go back it up to verse 22. This is Exodus, the 15th chapter. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Another translation says a tree. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Boy, I really like it when the Lord sweetens up something. And... uh, Looking at the audience, I think we could all stand a little bit of that. (laughs) There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his, his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Lord, I just ask you to make this come alive, that something will be uh, anointed in our hearing, that we'll be able to just... Go right down into our spirit, Lord, and equip us for our present day and for what is ahead so that we can live fully and completely to glorify you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as it was then, so it is now. There are always some people that would rather sit and complain about how bad things are than use the tools God provides to meet their needs. What was the tool God gave Moses at that time? What? The wood, yes. Did it look like a tool? It looked like just a plain piece of wood. But you know, when the Lord touches something, when his hand is on it, When he directs you to use something, it takes on a divine nature. For instance, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, loaves and fish. People looked at that. Even the disciples looked at that and said, this isn't going to work. There's not enough. 
But the Lord didn't pay attention to what they were saying and their questioning and their grumbling. He knew in his heart what he needed to do. And I want to say to you this morning, God has a tool prepared for you for any need that you may have. And we're going to show you what it is in just a little bit. Don't let yourself get in to the grumbling status. Don't get in with the crowd who can only see the negative things, can only see the problem. Keep your heart open. Keep your mind open to what the Lord is saying because he is saying something to you. Amen? All right. Now let's go. What good is it going to do to throw a piece of wood in the water? It just isn't going to work. In the middle of Job's trials, this is a separate situation, in all the suffering that he went through, as he, he held fast to his faith in God, while he'd gone through all of this, what did his wife say to him? Job, curse God and die. Now, that's what I call real encouragement. If you hear anything better than that, you're blessed, okay? But uh, that, that certainly wasn't a blessing. It doesn't matter whether a thing has been tried before and failed. You hear that? doesn't matter how many times something has been tried and failed before. If God says, do it now, don't fail doing it. Be in obedience to him, because there is where the answers will come to light. There will always be those who will say it won't work. I, I remember my wife, bless her heart, but when, right after we were married, she hadn't had a chance to listen to my preaching yet, so we were real uh, tight on money at the time and uh, getting ready to move. We had just been married. We were in California, and we were getting ready to move to our first appointment as pastors. And, and we had uh, a bunch of wedding presents. We'd just been married September, and here we were in October getting ready to go to our new appointment. And uh, my wife looked at all this stuff, I'd, and uh, I'd taken all kinds of linens and towels and stuff like that that were in boxes, taken them out of the boxes. And I had, I had a two-door Pontiac, and uh, it was a fairly good-sized car. And uh, I had the trunk full, and it looked like the, the, the back seat was full. I had stuff stacked clear into the back window. I couldn't see out the back window. And uh, we had an ironing board that hadn't been put in yet. She said, what are you going to do? It's not going to work. You're going to have to rent a trailer. And I said, I am not going to rent a trailer. And uh, I, tied the, I tied the ironing board on the back bumper. It, those of you that remember the, uh, the old days of the Dust Bowl where people were moving to California with a chicken coop tied on the back of their car, you know, and uh, uh, Grandma and Grandpa were sitting on the top. What was that, the clampets? Or the, well, we kind of looked like that. And uh, there was still stuff. And uh, I stacked it clear up 
into the ceiling of the car. Uh, my dad saw that when we went past their home in Southern California. And he looked in there and he said, you couldn't cram a chigger in there sideways with a sledgehammer. <laughs> but we made it in spite of the fact that she said it isn't going to work. I, there's something about hearing it isn't going to work that makes me try ten times harder to, ma to make them a liar, you know, make them wrong. Anyway, I would much rather fail in trying to succeed than succeed in accepting failure. Too easily we accept failure as inevitable. Too easy we accept it as something that just can't be helped. We just, that's the way it is. Must be God. I don't believe that. I don't buy that. I believe that God provides for us. We just don't look for it. We just don't wait on him. You know, men have for hundreds of years looked into the heavens and thought, I wonder what it would be like to walk on the moon. I've seen them do that in my lifetime, and so have you. And the obstacles that were in the way of achieving that were insurmountable. But they didn't accept the word no as final. And I want to say to you this morning, if you will reject the word no and open up to the possibility, to possibility thinking, I'll put it that way, that God may have a different answer than no, I think good things can happen. I think better things will happen. All my life I've tried to believe that God had an alternative. And I've seen many, many miracles happen as a result of that kind of thinking. Our Bible tells us that instead of joining with the crowd that were complaining, Moses did an interesting thing. And this is one of the tools that he's given us. He called on God. That's one of the most powerful tools, if not the most powerful tool, that we have. Because God has said, if you call on me, I'll hear you. Call on my name, and I will hear you. You go into the New Testament, and you'll find that that is demonstrated in the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer when he receives the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that uh, if we receive the Holy Spirit, we would receive dunamis. We would receive power. When the Holy Spirit came on the 120 in the upper room, the evidence of the Holy Spirit coming and filling the believers was that they were filled with the Spirit and began to what? Speak in tongues, speak in other tongues, tongues other than what they knew how to speak on their own. This was the Holy Spirit's calling card, but it wasn't the power. The power was in the fact that the Holy Spirit coached them 
how to talk. And the power became evident in the fact that we walk the way we talk. And so the Holy Spirit coached them to talk right. You say, how does that, how did that happen? You go to the second chapter and the 11th verse. And it says that the Holy Spirit, as he filled each of them and they began to speak in other tongues, was coaching them to talk about the wonderful works of God. What's happening there? You go over to James, the third chapter, and it says that the way you talk is the way you walk. That the tongue is like the rudder in a ship and it's like the bridle in a horse's mouth. You get control of the tongue and it can steer the whole body. It can control the whole body. So part of the answers that we need to recognize is that we need to talk like God's people. We need to talk in possibility thinking. We need to talk in ways that glorify God. That's what the Holy Spirit taught the 120. In that first century, the, the, the people of God turned the world upside down. What do you suppose could happen to the city of Albuquerque if every one of us went out of here talking like we ought to? Talking by the Holy Spirit's unction. Someone said one time, he gives us an unction to function. I like that. An unction to function. All right. So Moses began to pray. And he prayed in harmony with God's will. And what happened was God showed him something. What was it he showed him? Some wood. It could be interpreted a piece of wood or a tree, either way. Some interpretations, the one I'm using right now says a piece of wood. Another interpretation says the same thing. I think that King James is the one that says it. He, he showed him a tree. Think with me along this line now. Don't ignore anything that God sends. Because when he allows, not sins, but when he allows a test or a trial to come your way, there also is a tool that he gives you that can change the outcome of that trial or that test. Too often we're either too lazy or we just don't want to try what God gives us. Sometimes it just seems too simple. But that's not the case. God putting his hand on anything changes the very nature of it, changes the very outcome of the circumstances, and it can come out to his glory. That means that your suffering can come out to God's glory. It means that whatever trial you're going through, whatever test, can become 
an instrument of God's glory. If we could just, like these teenagers do, and some men will do, you know, they have a ball cap on, but they like to wear it backward, like they've been riding a motorcycle and don't want it to blow off their head. Some of us need to do that. Need to just kind of reach up and go, and turn the way we're thinking around. I always want to tease them a little bit when I see somebody doing that, but I I gave up on it. Think with me about this now. Somewhere in Jesus' day, there was a woodsman who searched in the forest for a special tree. A tree that could be cut into strong timbers. And he found that tree. Had he known that the wood from this tree would supply the instrument, which was the cross of Jesus Christ, upon which Jesus would die, he would have trembled with each blow of his axe. Had it been me chopping down that tree, I would have dropped the axe and run like terror. I would not have wanted to be a part of anything that would cause the suffering of the Savior. But if that woodsman had looked up and said, Oh God, forgive me, the Lord would have said, Keep chopping. Keep chopping. Had the carpenter who fashioned the two pieces together the upright and the cross member. Had he known he was making the instrument of suffering and death upon which the Son of God would die, he no doubt would have refused. And if he asked the Lord, the Lord would have said, keep on working, keep on fashioning it. You're doing my will. Like Moses had to pick up the piece of wood or the tree that God showed him. And like he had to throw that into the water to heal it. So the cross of Christ had to be made. It had to start with the woodsman. It had to be touched by the carpenter. And it had to be used by the Roman soldiers. All of which was an abominable task to anyone who knew what was happening. But the father said, don't stop. There's another scripture that says, God laid bare his holy arm. And it's talking about what he allowed his son to go through. God did not spare the suffering of his son Jesus. The sin of the entire human race from Adam until the last man walks this earth was being paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. And God did not spare meeting out the punishment for that sin upon his son. 
I want you to know it didn't come cheap. And that piece of wood symbolized the cross. The piece of wood that Moses found, that God showed him, was in type and symbol of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you this morning as clearly as I know how, I don't think there is a problem that you can face. I don't think there's a trial that you can go through that the cross has not in some way or other received the suffering of Jesus upon it. Jesus paid the price for you. He suffered for you. And when you begin to think about the, the awfulness of what you're experiencing, the difficulty in what you're going through, in your heart and mind, go back to the cross. Pick up that wood of the cross and put it into the bitterness of your life. Put it into your bitterness and recognize that Jesus took the bitterness that you should suffer in himself. Don't let the devil make you think that you're buying anything by the suffering you're going through. Let the words of the Lord, let the suffering of Jesus become really settled in your heart that Jesus has already paid the price for you. There's nothing that you can add to his suffering and his cross. His cross is meant to sweeten the waters of your life. Will you bow your head with me? Right now, where you are, who you are, and what your status is in life right now, the cross can make a difference. If you're a Christian, you know the difference that it makes. If you're a backslider, you need to have a refresher and bow at the cross of Jesus. If you're here without having made peace with God, if you're here without Jesus as your Savior, without the knowledge that your sins have been paid for and the peace of God in your heart that only He can give, oh, my brother and sister, there is no reason for you to go on in life suffering all this, this stuff. Carrying bitterness, carrying resentment, carrying the wrongs that have been done to you. Jesus has already paid for that. Get free from it. Turn it over to him. And let him and the suffering on his cross become a part of your life. And you'll experience the sweetness of the Lord and what he can do to change the very outcome of what you're going through. Across this audience this morning, I know that God put this message in my heart and led me back to this text because there was something more that needed to be done. And he knew that you were going to be here. And he knew 
the circumstances that you're facing. And he wanted you to hear about this, that the cross can sweeten the waters of your life. I wonder how many would lift your hand and say, Pastor, you know, I, I really don't have a good relationship with the Lord. I, I really can't say that I'm born again. I can't say that I know my sins are forgiven and I have peace with God. Would you pray for me? What about you, Christian? What about you, believer? Have you experienced some things that have put bitterness in your heart, that have caused you to just harden your heart when you have communion, that have caused you to just shut down spiritually to the point where you know there's nothing going on, nothing fresh and new. There's a hardness and even a distance that you feel between you and the Lord. Don't say to yourself, well, if the service is, as soon as the service is over, I'll be able to get out of here and get away from the conviction. Let me tell you something. This isn't a thing that sticks in the church. It's something that goes with you. If it needs to be done, the Holy Spirit won't let you forget it. And I'm one for getting the business done when it's known it needs to be done. Don't say, well, I'm, I've been a part of this church for a long time, and uh, I don't want people to know that I've had this in my heart and life. Who's the most important? Is it more important what the Lord thinks about you or what someone that your neighbor might think? I want to ask again. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I have bitterness, I have other things that have hindered me spiritually. I want to get rid of them. Will you pray for me? Put your hand up. Yes. 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 If you can make it, I want to invite you to come right down here to the front, and I want you to come down and meet me here, and we're going to have a prayer together, and we're going to turn it over to the Lord and walk away from here free and clean. I'd like to ask you, church, to all stand with me as we invite those who raise their hands to come forward, and I'm going to step right down here and meet you.